Hello and welcome to Daily Coffee on Unsafe Space with Carter and Carrie. Today is Tuesday, February 25th, and we're happy you could join us. If it's your first time here, you can visit us online at unsafespace.com. We do a monthly book club, and we just picked the date for book club. It's going to be Sunday, March 22nd. We're going to be discussing Douglas Murray's The Madness of Crowds, which if you don't already have, you can go to unsafespace.com and click on book club and buy it through our affiliate link. If you go through the link we give you, it gives us a penny or two. So that's kind of fun. Um, And then uh, if it's your first time here and you like the show, just please hit like and subscribe. That helps us if you you like us on YouTube. You can also watch us on BitChute if you don't want to support YouTube, or you can listen to us anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. And if you want to subscribe financially, we have a subscribe star instead of Patreon. Subscribestar.com. Go to Unsafe Space and you can donate monthly or you can do a one-time donation of whatever you like. Hello, Carter. How are you? I'm well, Carrie. That was an excellent introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I'm uh, compensating for my microphone still being busted. Or not busted. It's just there's something wrong with my driver. i got to fix it. But anyway, I'm trying to be more professional in the way I speak since I sound like I'm in a tunnel. Well, it, it works for me. I have a surprise for you. What? Oh, is it a tie? No. But Wombat of Doom sent us this candle. Uh, These are scented candles. I'm going to read it so people can't sense, can't read it. Um, it's Kofefi flavored, scented. <laughs> and it says, it smells like winning. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yes. Thank you, Wombat. Yeah. Did you make, she make those? No, so she, I don't, uh, I kind of want to plug the, I kind of want to plug the store that made them, but I'm not sure that, I think her friend made them, and I want to plug her friend, but I don't know if her friend wants to have her name publicly associated with us, so, um, I guess, friend, you can let us know, uh, you know who you are, but, um, yeah, pretty cool. That is super nice, thank you. I love that it says. I love that it says it smells like winning. So my wife has already. With her two came. My wife already stole one. So you get one, and my wife gets one. And that's how nice. <laughs> when do you get something? <laughs> someday, someday I'll get a. Uh, I'll, I'll get to keep something. <laughs> Carrie, what did you? Um, okay. Sorry, I don't mean to move on real quickly, but okay. uh, you. You showed me something that was kind of weird today do you want to introduce this thing i do uh but first i want to show you something else oh okay you have a surprise Uh, for me i have a surprise for you um this is just a a minor update we are not despite what the rumor that people are trying to spread we are not a knitting podcast we don't do knitting (laughs) We might start. I used to do remedial. I'm pretty bad at it, but I used to do knitting. And uh, Carter knit something once, so. I think soon will day. be a scented candle podcast. That will be the next. That'll when do we get to day. being a sword fighting podcast? That's what I want to know. Right. Um, okay. So I'm sharing something with you now. This is just a quick update on the knitting world. Um you know, we shared one of the posts that uh, Jack found for us where pe- it, it was just a clear example of how cultish this this uh, SJW world is. Mm-hmm. And this person was like, 
privately messaging another person and saying like, I don't know if you do, but you're following somebody who follows somebody and please, and you should unfollow and I'm giving you an opportunity. Like it's basically going and messaging people and telling them to fall in line with what the mean girls want. Right? Like that's what they're doing. Right. It's a mean girls click. So anyway, here's another one. This is a, um, uh, she, she's a yarn dyer, bad wolf girl that sits and knits. She posted, this is not a joke. Like when we saw this at first, I know people thought this was satire. I thought it was satire almost at first too. She says, I liked a picture of green socks. Sleepily, I did not read what I had just put my like on. I'm sorry. I do not agree with her. I want to make that clear. And I thank those who politely started a conversation to help me learn. Thank you. What she's talking about here is when Blue Mouse Knits shared her video on Instagram, Blue Mouse Knits included a photo of green socks and then did a little post about her video. And so she's basically, this is a mea culpa. This is like, this is an apology to the mob. Please don't throw me out. I accidentally liked a picture of green socks. I didn't even read it. I was sleepy. I'm sorry. And then, and then again, they use that word conversation. Thank you to those who started a conversation. It's not a conversation. It's a one-sided hectoring. Thank you to those who started a conversation to help me learn. How sad is that, Carter? It's pretty pathetic, um, but it's par for the course. I don't, I don't know the mentality of someone who wants to live in a world like that. It's something that I'm having trouble relating to. I don't know who wants to live in a world where you are constantly walking on eggshells terrified that people around you will burn you at the stake because something you said is against the orthodoxy that's accepted. Um, I know there are people who want that. I just don't relate to them, but it seems like this community is full of those people. They, yeah, they, they want it. And they're so, so well, here's something funny. So we talked about how, Humor is a really good way of breaking spells. And so somebody started, it's really funny. Uh, I think I know who started this. I can't remember her real name, but I think, anyway, somebody started this on Instagram, this hashtag sock mocking. And sock if you go and mocking? look at it. Is that what you said? Yes. Yes. Okay. And there have been requests for you to take a photo of your socks and please join in. But it started off with people <laughs> posting photos of green socks and and make kind of poking fun at this idea that l simply liking a picture of green socks is is somehow a faux pas enough to get you kicked out of a tribe something you need to apologize for and so they did the hashtag sock mocking and i'm sharing another another image with you now can you see that one uh hold on yep there we go okay this one made me laugh. <laughs> I'm sorry. The first line just made me laugh. I like green socks and I cannot lie. Very good. <laughs> you other knitters can't deny that when a sock walks in with an itty bitty twist and a green cable in your face, you get sprung. Want to pull up grip because you notice that heel was slipped. Deep in the stitches I'm wearing, I'm hooked and I can't stop staring. Oh, Saki, I want to get with you and take your picture. My knit friends start to warm me, be your greenness, it warms me. <laughs> <laughs> nice job, Willie Rose. Very, very well done. This one had me rolling. I was laughing so hard. There's so many funny things in there, but this one really made me laugh. There's people talking about sitting in your green sock discomfort. 
and <laughs> making room for voices of the BISOC, the BISOC community. Uh, the BISOC community. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just their people have a good sense of humor, and I think that's wonderful because I think that's one of the best ways to fight indoctrination is to be is to have a sense of humor and to laugh at things and to laugh at yourself even and to laugh somebody asked me about the the sock mocking they were like yeah but what do you think about the girl who started all this like what's she feeling right now and i thought about it it's a good question i I was like well actually i don't think she sees any of the sock mocking posts first of all because this little sgw cult has they're they're completely secluding themselves now in a way they didn't during the mobbing they're, a year they're ago. They're circling the wagons to, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they've unfollowed not just people like Maria Tuscan and Socrates. They've unfollowed anybody who's following Maria Tuscan and anybody who's following that person. And, you know, it's like they've completely secluded themselves. And so they have, I'm sure she hasn't even seen these. But if she were to see them, I would hope that part of her would look at that and say, these people seem to be having a lot of fun and a good sense of humor. And life doesn't have to be as miserable as it is, as the world you described, Carter, where you're walking on eggshells, you have to be constantly terrified of liking the wrong picture. You don't have to live that way. You can have a sense of humor. You don't have to be a miserable person in a miserable cult surrounded by miserable people running everything through a filter. Um, and that leads me to one last little update on this. Can I just, can I just mention something based on what you just said about being yeah. miserable? It, it yeah. reminds me of um, something Tony, Tony Robbins. I don't know why I'm thinking about Tony Robbins lately, but uh, it reminded me of a story he told about like sometimes you just want to be miserable. Like he talked about a time in his life where like he was just wallowing in misery and no one could get him out of that because that's kind of just what he wanted. He wanted to be miserable. And so like uh, maybe some of these people, maybe they just this is just they want to wallow in hurt. That's what they want. They want to be hurt. They want to wallow in being hurt. They want to feel sorry for themselves. And so they're just going to wallow in in hurt. And there's nothing anyone can do about it except maybe show that there's fun going on over there. So if you, you know, feel like joining ever, you know, get out of bed and yeah. come join the fun. I don't know. And if you ever decide to leave the cult, as we talked about yesterday, General Live Cafefe, you are welcome to our party late. You're welcome to the party. No one's going to make you feel bad for being worried about liking a picture of green socks. You are welcome (laughs) to come have some fun (laughs) and not be, not live in like constant fear. Just, well, okay. So then one last thing on blue mouse knits, YouTube video, I've still been in the comments there every couple days or so. I'll look, I get a lot of notifications. I don't read all of them, but, but when I do read them on YouTube, if somebody reply to you, every once in a while I'll reply to one of them. So this girl on YouTube, this is a public comment on Blue Mouth Smith's video. Um, Beth Olmo, she says, now listen to this. I, I really appreciate when they tell you honestly what they're about, which is rare because a lot of times they engage in doublespeak. But when they're honest, listen to this, as white people, it is our responsibility to police our own thoughts, words, and actions. <sighs> Call out racism in our communities and work towards eliminating it. Being silent about it to make others comfortable only perpetuates it and makes us complicit. 
So I just was like, wow. Uh, but this, I you know, also I just very... want to point out, there's not racism going on. There's not, there, Nothing has been no. racist other than what the social justice warriors have done. There's no racism going on. There's been no racism going on. And, you, and if you ask them, please point out the racism you guys keep talking about. Was it when uh, Karen Templer said that she was excited about going to India? Was that racist? Was it when Maria Tuscan said she was taking a break from Instagram because it was too toxic lately? Was that racist? No, none of these things have been racist. You use these words so casually as if they mean nothing while you engage in racist behavior and talk about Maria's gleaming white face and use racist insults and put downs. And, you know, the only racism and the only people making this about race are the people who subscribe to your belief system. But yeah, as white people, it is our responsibility to police our own thoughts, words, and actions. And I just was like, thank you for stating clearly what we've been saying. This ideology is about self-censorship. It's really sad, but this is about self-censorship, fear, bullying. This is about this woman having to police her own thoughts and her own Instagram likes. Oh my gosh, I like the picture of green socks. Like... Do you know what I mean? Like that's, that is a scary cult to be in. You guys are in a scary freaking cult and it must be miserable living there. And I know it is. I used to be an estrogen. I used to be in the cult. I know, I know how self-suffocating it is. So yeah. anyway, that's, I just wanted, that was one little aside. And no, I think, I think people who maybe aren't, don't, maybe new people who aren't totally familiar with what you're saying. Like, I, I just want to be clear. Like, I don't, it is every person's job to police their own actions and behaviors. I disagree with policing thoughts completely because um, policing, uh, policing your thoughts is actually um, it's a it's a form of self censorship that actually uh, stifles your ability to to ascertain truths and stuff. But what you speak to other people and what how you behave, it is kind of your job to police that. Not white people's jobs, just like people's job to police yourself about how you interact with other people. But that's behavioral and and verbal. And I don't. Th the problem is, um, what she's talking about when she says police your behavior in words is a level of. I don't want to say this. There's nothing wrong with the words that <laughs> Karen Templar spoke or that Maria Tuscan spoke. She is having a new set of, she means police them by these new rules, these new social justice rules. It means police them in terms of accordance with our social justice ideology, not police them with, in terms of what you think is morally good or bad, but police them in terms of our rules, our social justice language, our little dictionary, our, our lists of things to, to say and do or not say or not do. It's a long list of not saying and not doing. That, that's the distinction that I think makes it um, that I think you're talking about when you say that. Yes, and I I replied to her again because she kept talking to me. Um, but oh, I can hear myself echoing. Weird. I'll turn you down. Um, okay. So, but but what it, it is, you you described it correctly. It's policing yourself with the ideology. So think of it like this: SJWs have a little internal SJW computer, <laughs> that a filter that they run everything through before they say it to make sure it's ideologically correct. That's what she means by policing your thoughts. 
So you're supposed to, before you say something, it's not about like, like, like what Carter's talking about. Um, for example, I think it is a very good rule of thumb to make sure that your behaviors reflect your words and that you think about that you choose your words carefully and you try to choose words, you try to make yourself very clear and you try to use words with purpose. Specifically, don't use words casually. Don't call people racist when they're not racist. Don't use words in a way that is deceitful. And don't speak other people's ideas as if they're your own, right? Like, um, I think all of that's important. But what she's talking about is you have a thought and then you have to run it through your little ideological filter and make sure it is correct. So if there's something in there, like, for example, you're like, oh, gosh, um, I love go, you know, Karen Templer. I'm so excited to go to India. I've wanted to go since I was a child. It's so foreign to me. It's so different. And it, winning a ticket there was as out of this world as like winning a ticket to Mars, in my opinion. Okay. The, they want you to put that through a filter and say, um, could this set off any alarms or trigger any reaction from my ideological cult? Yeah, they're probably going to say I'm othering. Okay. Let's not express that feeling or thought at all. Let's just censor ourselves. That's what they mean. And That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the opposite of what, you know, I used to think about the left. And, and when I say the left this time, I mean like the old school left, like liberals. Uh, a lot of us used to think about liberals <laughs> as very, very pro-free expression, right? They're the people who were like, we should be able to express ourselves in any way. And it's all legal and fine, which I happen to agree with. But a lot of conservatives, you know, they're like, well, don't express yourself that way. That's offensive or whatever. Um that is the complete if you if you want to really see a distinction between the modern left and that kind of historical left is the modern left um believes in the opposite of that instead of self-expression the modern left believes in self-censorship um as as like a primary goal for people so um that's something that i think is just important to note that's all i guess yep okay let's get to this uh, topic. Or yes. But by the way, Carrie. Wait. No, I want to get to that topic. I'm gonna. I have green socks. I'm going to post them on Instagram. So <laughs> I just want to state that now. Green socks will be coming. This is not a joke, Carter. Apparently, according to Dr. K, one of the knitters. I think it might be the one on Twitter who I've tangled with before. One of the SJW knitters has now said that um, posting pictures of green socks is, is an alt-right uh, indicator or dog whistle or something. Right. You know how they try and make up all these? Yeah. Now I'm definitely <laughs> posting green socks. That's so stupid. <laughs> like, don't make an okay sign, guys. Don't wear green socks. Don't drink milk. <laughs> should I have? Should I post green socks with me doing this and holding up green socks? Oh, is there no. anything else I can do? Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so dumb okay uh the story do you want to do you want me to play the video yeah okay so once again i've mentioned this channel before uh or this group if you guys are on facebook there's a group and it, uh this guy started it's for ut austin which is close to me if you happen to be in the area or if you're an alumni you might be interested in this it's a group called Stop the Insanity at UT Austin. And he basically just talks about all the stuff that we do 
in regards to when we talk about this ideology, he just makes it specific to what's happening on UT's campus. And uh, he posted a video of two winners of the, I think it had the word inclusivity in it. The 2019 Instructor Learning Communities Grant. Yes. Yes, um, and they they won a grant, and I just want to see if anybody can decipher what it is that they won the grant for, and what are they spending their time on. All right, this should be fun. Uh, let's see, let's see if this works here. All right, here we go. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna pause. Uh, land pedagogy learning community for inclusive classroom climate. That is the best phrase I have seen in quite some time. That's an awesome phrase, Gary. Let, let's repeat it. Land pedagogy learning community for inclusive classroom climate. So. What? Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. So that's a, that's a real thing. Okay. <laughs> All that land pedagogy. Learning, a learning community, I know what that is. Inclusive classroom climate, I got that. Land pedagogy's got me going. Is it like how you teach land? I don't know. Yeah. Here we go. It's, it's how you teach land. Wait a minute, real quick. When I was in college, there used to be a joke, and maybe you remember this, this might reveal our age, but the joke was that uh, people, would, people who took BS majors, they would take the joke was that you would take a class in underwater basket weaving. Do you remember oh, this? yeah, totally. I remember the underwater basket Un weaving jokes. Underwater basket weaving. Yeah. This is the modern day <laughs> underwater basket weaving. It is. It is. Uh, although we also had a joke. I don't know if you had this one, but uh, basically, um, I, you know, I'm going to screw it up because it, it wasn't even as funny, but it was uh, an observation which turned out to be true. Basically, the... Uh, <laughs> If you majored in the humanities, what you did after college was go to law school because you couldn't get a job. So everyone went to law school and now we have lawyers. So, all right, here we go. Land, ped <laughs> land pedagogy learning community for inclusive classroom climate. This is gonna be fun, here we go. My name is Montserrat Maladiaga Caro. I am from the Spanish and Portuguese department. My name is Jessica Sanchez Flores, uh, also from the Spanish and Portuguese department uh, in the College of Liberal Arts, and we were awarded the Inclusive uh, Learning Communities Grant. Okay. Our proposal uh, is about land pedagogy. We wanted to explore with instructors, with uh, students that work, and staff members. We wanted to explore the, the narratives that UT holds because we, we thought that the main narratives are very centered on settled colonialism and that. Okay, did you, did you pick that one up? The main narratives that UT Austin holds are centered on, I think she said settled colonialism. Is that what you heard? Yeah, so the main narratives that UT Austin holds are centered on settled colonialism. Right. What does that mean, Carter? You want my I actual mean, thoughts really, on it? Yes, yes. What If you were to ask her to explain that in her own words, what does she mean by that? Um, Can she do it? Yeah, no, I think, I think she means... So he, here's the... This is the kind of... 
this is the kind of narrative that we've got going on now. So throughout history, uh, uh, empires, no matter what they were, every every different race had empires. They would expand and often colonize areas as they expanded by either uh, peacefully annexing or sometimes warring with other less advanced civilizations. And the last thrust of all of that happens to be from the British Empire and and Americans. And so I think what she's, this is, this is her saying, um, the settled colonialism, is that what, yeah, settled colonialism, this is like, hey, uh, this is an oppressive thing that your 10 generations ago or more people did. Like a few hundred years ago, there were people who shared your skin color who expanded their empires and injured people with a different skin color and somehow that is what society is based on, right? Even though if you look through history, um, not every, and this might shock people, but not every empire that expanded and conquered other empires developed the internet. There's something unique about where we are in history that's unrelated to colonialism, which has existed forever. But that's a, that's, a mm-hmm. that, that's what I think. What do you think it is? Yeah, but 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 if you ask her to actually explain that, like, how are the narratives at UT centered? Oh, you mean how are they centered? Yeah, like what? I, because how does she I, change? Yeah, what 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 are you proposing that we change about the narratives at UT? For example, what are you proposing we change that we don't talk about? What like and specifically as related to land because they say this is about land pedagogy, which is like the study of education about land. It sounds like it. Well, so to me, actually, what I think that I think what it's going to get at is private property because um, yes. there were definitely indigenous peoples who had no concept of property, right? Zero, zero concept of private property. In fact, I think if I'm if I remember correctly, that's one of the complaints about European settlers in North America was that North Americans uh, bought property and the the natives didn't know that they were selling property because they had no concept of property rights. So my guess is this, just like everything, you know, I know I, I'm hyperbolic when I'm like, the purpose of this ideology is to destroy Western civilization, blah, blah, blah. Everyone rolls their eyes and thinks I'm crazy. No. Private property is one of the fundamental foundations of Western civilization. That's what they're going to go after. They're going to go after private property. I think so, too. I think this is about undermining the idea of private property. But I want to see. And I wonder if she, if they could even articulate that if you ask them to. Say what you really mean. Yeah. Well, I think they... I, 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 I bet they could. I bet they don't want to. But let's, <laughs> let's see. Let's, let's <laughs> okay. let it go. Let's, let it go. let's keep going. All right. That brings a lot of exclusions in the classroom that it doesn't make justice to the diversity that we see in the classrooms. We had six sessions. What did that mean? What is that? It doesn't make justice to diversity. What? (laughs) (laughs) I, in fairness, as much as I do love making fun of this kind of thing, I think she means it doesn't do justice do. to divert the idea of diversity. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Once I sat and thought about it, I was like, what's she trying to say? And I was like, oh, I think she says it 
Yeah. I think she means it doesn't do justice to the diversity in the classroom. Right. And and English okay. is not her first language, clearly, so. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, that's fine. But so it doesn't do, but even that, it doesn't do justice to the diversity in the classroom. What doesn't? What they're teaching? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, again, this is like, yeah, private property ownership doesn't do justice to diversity in the classroom because there's people who don't like private property ownership, I guess, or or maybe, we, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, I don't know. The, the idea that diversity in the classroom is like a separate thing that needs to have justice done to it is also kind of odd, but let's... Let's go. Let's see what she says. Sessions and those sessions were on campus and off campus. So she just, they did some sessions. By the way, I don't, uh, yeah, maybe she's never going to explain it. Any, sorry. <laughs> so two of the sessions we went outside. One of them was, uh, we had a workshop with a uh, plant healer. So we went uh, on a plant walk. We also, did she, did she say she had a session with a plant healer? I can't, I couldn't quite tell. And again, I didn't want to make fun of that if, if it was just something I couldn't hear. A plant healer, a plant healer. Well, but then sure. she said she went on a plant walk, right? Okay, a plant healer. Maybe. Is a plant healer someone who uses plants to heal you or do they heal plants? Do you know? I'm not sure. By the way, I don't know. <laughs> Carrie, can you see in the background here where I paused the video? Uh, on the, the slide on the screen says decolonized love. And there's a picture there's of a, a fist. Flower. A fist holding a rose or something, or flowers of some kind. I don't know. All right, oh, here. to me, it looks like a flower hugging another flower. I see it's a fist. You're right. Yeah. All right, here we go. Also uh, purchased books for our uh, community. The other portion will go into our final product, which is each member of the community will create a, a theme or sign page. And we plan on publishing and then printing that and sharing those materials with the different departments that the people came from. So to have the support. Can, can we? Because I would love some clarity about something. What is this? Uh, I just want to say, this is your tax dollars paying for nonsense for people for for adult children to sit in a room and talk about bs and do some coloring and sketching with flowers and put it in a book that you you could do this in middle school they're in college they're getting a grant to do this hey doggy i don't know if the grant is is publicly funded but the college is definitely publicly subsidized and this is (laughs) This, I should just show this video when I want to make the argument of don't send your kids to college. This is, this is the best. This is not protesting at college. This is just regular. This is the coursework. This is what you do. Yeah. You worry about land they pedagogy. Could art, they could go to arts and crafts. This is, they could go to some... Summer camp. They could go to summer camp and camp. do this. <laughs> and you know what? Parents, send your 18-year-olds to summer camp instead of the University of Texas at Austin. Cheaper. All right, uh, Carrie's looking up. Sorry, I caught you drinking coffee. All right, here we go. We're going to keep going. <laughs> the Faculty Innovation Center with this grant was vital for us to be able to, to start spreading the word about how important it is to dismantle uh, these violent exclusions that are, as you said, ingrained in... Okay, so did... <sighs> dismantle violent? violent exclusions that are ingrained... Do you know what that is? 
So the rest of her sentence, she says, dismantle these violent exclusions that are ingrained in the educational systems in the U.S. Oh, I paused too early. Sorry. Yeah. So dismantle these violent exclusions that are ingrained in the educational systems. They use this word violence. This is another one of the words that the SJWs use as if it means nothing. Um, So as I was saying... (laughs) Uh, the, this word violent is a word that they use really casually as if it means nothing. So violent exclusions in the educational system. That if it were truly a violent exclusion, like you're using words as if they have no meaning. There's not men with guns at UT Austin pre- violently preventing you and excluding you from any field of study. There's no one violently excluding you. Violent exclusions are what were actually experienced by people who who dealt with segregation. Yes. People who dealt with segregation. And you're making light of segregation by using words in that way. I I, I find it really repulsive. Yeah. I mean, I... Your characterization of them as childish is is spot on because this is all... It's all childish drama. It's all... They're all just... It's all drama. Right? (laughs) Whoa, Tiger. Tiger didn't like that. Maybe the mailman is here. Let's uh, let's keep going. In educational systems in the U.S. and worldwide. And so this space and the financial facilitation that FIC offers is very important. So that's it? That was, we learned, that's that's all we learned about how this money was spent. Okay. That's it. You, it it's so lacking in information, clarity, um, necessity, importance, coherence. I feel like this is, this is, um, the social justice left seems to spend a lot of money and time and energy uh, building a lot of things with no substance like there's no they're the opposite of like it's like the opposite of engineers who like build things but can't market them to save their lives it's like it's all just marketing built on nothing it's all just here's some did you just sneeze no i laughed oh <laughs> I thought you sneezed it's but it's all it's all just marketing it's all just it's vaporware. There's no, there's no there there. It's we, you know, we we colored some stuff and made a book and asked people things and published it. Like that's not we're learning. You're not contributing anything to the world. You're not. You haven't invented anything. You're not moving humankind forward in any measurable way at all. You're just like flopping around like fish on land, making noises. Sorry. <laughs> You made me laugh because your analogy is great. It's all marketing and no there there. It's all marketing. It's like playing. It's like a toddler playing with your own boot. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they need, I feel like they need daddy to walk in the room and be like, that's a great job, honey. You did a good job building your sand castle. Nice job. Well, did you see the way they were all clapping at the end? I don't know if you want to rewind, but there were three of them in the shot and they were all clapping like this. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's too loud. It could be oppressive. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, 
you know, I really I know people say this. I really mean I really mean it. If you want to tear down this system, I have a lot of problems with the system that I I, I want to fix. But if you're if you want to go back to no private property, leave the country. Go somewhere with no private property. Go exist on a desert island by yourself. Take your scrapbook with you and see how well you do with your critical theories and your scrapbooks. God, you, these people are, you know how successful society has to be that we have extra enough resources to pay for this crap? I mean, we are amazingly successful. It's, it's phenomenal that we pay for this. That we're so successful that we spend money on this. That's incredible. Yeah. <sighs> Underwater basket weaving was actually has more practical applications. Yes, you could probably like, I don't know, go fix a net for fishermen somehow that was stuck. I don't know what you could do. You could do something with underwater basket weaving. <sighs> Carrie, I have a, I have a <laughs> we have to move on. I have a I have a question for you. Yeah. You um you always talk about your eyes glazing over. Yeah. When when I talk about economics, your eyes glaze over, which I understand. Already happened. Already there. It's already there. Um. I wanna I wanna I wanna just really quickly explore why because um. I think it's necessary that you do that because you also supported Bernie, right? I voted for Bernie in 2016, yes. Yes. I think that the left relies on uh, economics being boring. And um, I want to explore why you, why your eyes glaze over. Because, actually, here, let me show you something. This is Bernie's, Bernie put out a fact sheet. These are all, this is all from Bernie, I didn't, uh, I mean, I categorized things, but the numbers are all from Bernie. These are his names. I called them bribes, but these are the things he's offering taxpayers. Um, canceling student debt, and, he, and people always say, how are you gonna pay for it? So he has the cost and how it's paid by. Cancel student debt, it's gonna cost 2.2 trillion. It's paid by, he's gonna tax stock trades. Expanding social security, he's gonna tax the wealthy. Housing for all, wealth tax. Universal pre-K and childcare, wealth tax. Eliminate medical debt, corporate tax. Green New Deal. Uh, it's a mix of stuff. He's got actually some spending cuts in there, a corporate tax and some magic. Uh, and Medicare for all, he actually thinks Medicare for all will save money. Um, and so he doesn't bother trying to say he'll pay for it. Um, I, I'm, I'm wondering, is, would this have been enough for you? Would, would you be like, okay, yeah, it makes sense and I'm done? Yeah. It would have. And if someone said, I want to talk I mean, to you I, about the details, you, your, would your, is that the point where your eyes would have glazed over at that point and be like, screw it, I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, and I know it doesn't make me look good, but um, yeah, I would have said, I'm not really, like as an SJW, first of all, you're not used to looking at the details anyway. You're not used to figuring out what you actually think about things anyway. You're told what to think, you go along with the tribe, and you adopt those opinions as if they're your own, although you haven't put the time into them. And especially for something that you're not very interested in, like economics, if you're, if you're not interested in it, you don't want to, you're, you're definitely not going to get into the weeds on that. You know, if I, if I didn't get into the weeds on something like uh, calling someone a racist whose videos I didn't watch and whose book I didn't read, and I actually 
it, it interested me more, like the, the racism and sexism and stuff interested me. If I didn't get into the weeds on that, I certainly wouldn't get into the weeds or the details on an economic plan. I would just say, well, I trust Bernie. Right. So I, this is a question I have then. Do you think, I, so I have a theory about this. I think the, my, my theory is that um, people find things uninteresting, abstract concepts like economics. They find them uninteresting because they don't have in their mind the concept of economics and, the, and, and this stuff doesn't correlate to reality. It's not tied to reality firmly enough. And so there's a big question. There's like this underlying why. Who, there's an underlying like who cares because they, it, doesn't, it doesn't translate directly into concrete things that matter. Whereas um, just take social justice ideology for a second. Racism clearly does. Like the, the word racist, they can think about immediately. They can think about like actual people who are actually affected by horrible racism. Um, but yeah. they don't have that. There's not the same connection between economics or monetary policy and people being affected. Is that accurate or is that bullcrap? That's accurate. And they don't tie it to the elephant enough to help you, meaning to borrow from Jonathan Haidt your emotional reasoning they don't tie it enough to emotional reasoning the book that i read um that i've talked about before love your enemies by arthur c brooks mm -hmm. he talks about um sorry i've got this pitbull puppy here he's a handful she's a handful anyway um he doesn't he talks about like working for a nonprofit and trying to raise money and how you don't go in and, and say, you know, we need this amount of money, this is the operating budget, this is, et cetera, et cetera. You actually are like, this is Samuel, you know, or whatever. And you show a picture of a little boy and you do this, you tell a story. And you use that story of that one person, this emotional story, to do your fundraising. You don't sit with dry numbers and facts. And so I think, I think anyway, I'm. I'm kind of a I get that. rambling here, but yeah, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally get it. And I think the education, so this is, an, I think this is another form of indoctrination that I hadn't really been able to articulate previously. But I, I think this form of indoctrination is, um, and it, it may even not be intentional, but it's when, when schools choose what to get you emotionally excited about and what not to get you emotionally excited about. when they choose what to um they they choose what to make emotionally impactful or important so they choose to discuss for example schools every school is discussing racism in some form or another right they've chosen to make that very important and they and they and they do what you're describing they they teach kids through the use of stories and through emotionally connecting with stories of people impacted they don't do that for economics at all. Uh, and especially any economics related to government spending at all. And I think that is a form of indoctrination because it teaches you, uh, it, it teaches you that this thing over here, uh, it, it trains you to have a reaction to this thing over here, but to ignore this other thing. And if you're going to have a massive authoritarian state you need people to not pay attention to the details of what that state is doing when it comes to taxing or economics generally. Does that make sense? Yes. So I'm going to, 
I'm gonna just show you something, Carrie. You don't need to get into the details for anything. You need to ask a simple question, and I'm just gonna show the question that that I'm gonna show you what question to ask, and then you can be then you can be done. You actually don't need to look at the details when you look at stuff like Bernie's plan. So here's how he presents it. And this is how most statists present their plans. Let's just take student debt, for example. It's gonna cost 2.2 trillion. I'm gonna pay for it with this thing over here. But there's another column to this, actually, that they're leaving off. There's a column of hidden costs for this pay, this paid by column actually has hidden costs that they never talk about intentionally. So what you should be focusing on is these two columns. And this column is never filled out ever, 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 never, ever, 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 ever is it filled out. The reason for that is it destroys the supposed profits you get from these things on this other column. So for example, we're going to stack, we're gonna tax stock trades. Okay, well, what's the hidden cost? What will that do? Well, it will certainly quell economic activity. It will change the way, so all of, if anyone has retirement accounts, uh, money market accounts, anything, those stocks are being traded in them. It will affect, there's an effect that will happen. What does it cost? I don't know. But it will certainly make it more difficult to loan money to companies through investing in stocks. It will certainly make it more difficult for the free market to rebalance when there needs to be an asset allocation. When they realize they've allocated money to the wrong company and it needs to be reallocated, it makes it more expensive. It changes the dynamics of the stock market in a way that's probably not super measurable, but definitely has a negative impact on the agility of a capitalist system, assuming we're in capitalism, which we're not, but semi-capitalism, the agility of a capitalist system to reallocate assets efficiently. That's what, that's what the markets are supposed to do. How do you measure that? I don't know, but I guarantee it's not good for the economy. We don't talk about that hidden cost. Taxing on, I mean, we've talked about all this wealth tax stuff before. I've, I've explained to you how wealth taxes actually have an effect, right, on, on the economy, on, you know, you like Scrooge McDuck, so I'll mention Scrooge McDuck. Wealthy people aren't sitting around with piles of gold. They're in banks. Those banks are using that money. That, mo that gold's in banks. The money is in banks. The, the banks are using that money through fractional reserve lending. They're probably lending out 10 times as much money as the rich person has in the bank to other, to other businesses, to people mortgaging, you know, needing a mortgage, to whatever, for economic growth. You pull that money back. You take it out of the system. You give it to the government to waste. It's no longer in the banking system. It's no longer be used for fractional reserve banking. All those mortgages get called. The business loans never happen. All this stuff. This is complex, and I don't. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. I don't want to go through. I can't. I don't have the skill set to possibly go through all of the implications for what all of these things are. But my point is, this is something that is intentionally ignored and intentionally glossed over. These are the unintended consequences or the hidden cost of raising taxes, expanding some government thing, adding regulation. They never talk about what effect it will have. The, you know, the economy is dynamic. People's behavior changes. They never talk about how that will happen. And that's the reason that every time any expansion is proposed, anything happens, 
They say, we're going to solve poverty by doing X, Y, and Z. That's why it never works, ever. It never works. And the reason it never works is because they changed the system by their perturbation. Their perturbation changed the system fundamentally, and, it, and it, then it doesn't work. And their answer is always the same. Do more of the thing that didn't work just now. I don't think... It, I think a lot of Bernie supporters think that they're, they care about people and think they're doing well. But if you have the, if you understand the, how economics tie to concretes, how people struggling to keep their donut shop open or their small, whatever small business will be harder hit by this, how a worker who, maybe how a high school student who's trying to learn to work who isn't worth $15 an hour is learning to work and getting a little bit of extra spending money and building his career, how he's going to get fired if the minimum wage gets raised to $15 an hour. If you don't think about this stuff, if you don't see the human consequences, your eyes glaze over when people talk about Bernie being economically illiterate. And you think, well, yeah, but I like Bernie. He's a nice guy. I'm sure he'll figure it out. He has figured it out. He knows this. He doesn't care. He's not a nice guy. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He just wants a bigger government that he can control. And he uses nice language to get people who don't understand this all worked up into a frenzy about how great of a guy Bernie Sanders is. And it's not just Bernie. I'm picking on Bernie because he has this can I tell you where Everyone's like, I, can, you tell me, can I tell you where you failed and you lost me? Yeah, please. Okay. You had me. You were making a good case. And then you started saying he doesn't care. You can't assume that about him. I don't think you can. And it makes me, especially, and I'm not even going to vote for Bernie this time. I'm not like a, I'm not the, the current Bernie voter uh, who probably presumably has more of a, uh, uh, a feeling of warmth towards him than I do. I think you don't need that. You, that's unnecessary. You don't. Well, let me ask you a question. What are the options? He either doesn't care or he doesn't know. Are those the only two options? Is there ones I'm forgetting or don't know? Yeah, I would say he. I would say he doesn't know or his. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't know or he doesn't take that into account or he thinks or he thinks this is still, given everything else, the best solution. But there's no reason to attack. All I'm saying is, if you're trying to make a. Uh, uh, an argument that sways people, I think there's no reason to attack the motivations of a person. It just shuts off. Right. That's all I mean. I there's get no it. reason to do it. Just, to, just stick to this doesn't work and here's why and give me an emotional reason to understand why it doesn't work and don't and don't you don't have to go into Bernie as a person or he doesn't care, he's evil. Not that you said evil, but that these are things people say. Or he's, you know, whatever. You can just stick to that. That, that, that would be my. Uh, so when I say he doesn't care, you feel like you need to rush to his defense. That's where I lose you because, like, yeah. I'm attacking him. Oh yeah, then you lose me totally. Interesting. Well, let me put it this way then. Uh, it's not a caring plan. What he's proposing is not caring. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't reflect if you cared about people, because it doesn't work and it hurts people. Is that better? That's better. Okay. So maybe he cares. I don't know. I don't know how to reconcile those things. It doesn't matter if he does or doesn't. We don't have to address that when we make arguments. Yeah. I, 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 that's fine. I don't get, uh, 
I forget how much people worship politicians. That's fine. <laughs> well, that's not even it. It's it's you. You began this before we started the podcast about how this might not even turn into a conversation about economics. It might be about psychology, and and it kind of is. And I'm giving you yeah, that's human fair. to human feedback here. Psychology saying there's no reason to even go there, and you lost me there. Yeah, that's so, fair. And there's no that's reason fair. to go there. That's fair. Um, I guess what I'd like to right do, to I, you know why? You know why I went why? there? Because people, why? people, people only look at that. Um, here, I'm gonna. Here, I'll show you why I went there. People look at this one column here, this bribe column. Yeah. They look at canceling student debt, expanding social security, yeah. housing for all, and they say. Bernie cares. Look how much he cares. Other people don't care because they're not offering me these bribes. No one else cares. Only Bernie cares. And my point is, no. Caring is not caring is not offering bribes that actually screw up, have all these other hidden costs, and actually hurt people. That's not what caring looks like. That's why I'm bringing it up. And I, so, I don't know. So you can make that case without attacking him. Okay, here's a great example. That writer that I talk, I've i talked about before in Huffington Post, the progressive who did an article saying, oh, I don't know how to make conservatives care about people or something like that. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. then she went on, to, yeah, she went on to list all of these, po these policies that were supposed to be evidence that conservatives didn't care about people. That's what, th that's what this is. You don't have to take a difference in policy as evidence of someone not caring all you have to do is make the case that your difference in policy is because you care well so the, all you have to do is in that column say look the reason i oppose this several trillion dollar thing for medicaid for all is because i care and because i care you know this is what's going to happen you don't have to say the person proposing this doesn't care just make the case that you care I, I get it. There's a distinction, though, between what I'm doing and what that person was doing. I'm not saying that Bernie supporters don't care. I think that Bernie, who's been in public service for decades, has to know better at this point. He has to have heard the arguments. He has to know better. I, it, I hold him to a much higher standard. So I, I, don't, I don't think going after a politician who's a, a career politician it is the same as saying the people who support him don't care. I think a lot of the people who support Bernie do care. That's why they support Bernie. Bernie, I hold to a different standard, right. and I just want to make that distinction clear. Yeah. But if you're trying to win those people over who vote for him, then pragmatically I'm saying there's no reason to attack whether he cares or not. Just make the case that you do. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm drawing a distinction between what that person wrote in the article okay. and what I'm doing. I'm right. not saying I'm not doing the same thing that that person was doing. Okay. But I am, I, I, yeah. I get that I'm not going to win people over by telling them Bernie doesn't care, even though I don't think he cares. <laughs> That's separate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sir. I have cared about this conversation longer than I thought I would. Uh, thank you for making about psychology. <laughs> kind of. It was only a little bit about psychology, but it, I guess it was, yeah. I have to go to the gym and I'm on a schedule now. I'm trying to become a scheduled person. And uh, I so will wait, see that you means we won't be late to live Gofeffies ever again. 
And that means that I'm, look, I've been doing pretty well, I think, <laughs> showing up on time. <laughs> and I'm only going to get better as the year goes on. 2020 is a great year. It's, it's just, I'm sorry, I'm just yawning and stretching, but really, 2020 is a, this is a good, I feel there, there's a lot of potential in this year, and I want to make the most of it. Good for you. Okay. <laughs> Let, let's say goodbye. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Um, I don't know anything else, Carrie. Join some book club, Sunday, March 22nd. Go get your copy of Douglas Murray's The Madness of Crowds, if you haven't already. And you can go to Subscribe Star and visit Unsafe Space if you want to donate. Thank you, guys. All righty. Have a good one. <laughs>